Welcome to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker, presented by Allen Electric. And now, here's T.J. Walker. Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday to you here at 1450, the Sports Buzz. I hope wherever you're listening from, you didn't have too much rain damage from the storms early this morning, late last night, however you want to look at it. Uh, luckily, my car is still... Well, still windshield is cracked, but no further damage, no further damage to the house. Uh, was telling Trevor before the show, it's been a busy day dealing with those insurance things, so I, I might have I spoke too soon yesterday when talking about all this, but uh, that's okay. We've got plenty to talk about today. We're going to have Rob Doster on because it's Tuesday, so we're going to talk more college basketball with him. We're going to switch gears a little bit to, to college football. UK released their depth chart. We're going to talk about what stood out there. Uh, strengths and weaknesses of that roster. Mark Stoops will talk to the media tomorrow. SEC media days roll on. Steve Spurrier went today, and as always, it was just fantastic to hear him talk. And we're going to, it's, I I was dealing with this a little earlier today before I started to get swamped. We're going to talk a little fantasy football today because I feel that most drafts are within a month, a month and a few weeks at that. So about a month and a half for most leagues to be able to draft, and this is when you need to start be. This is when you need to start doing your homework, so you're not bombarded on draft day. So we'll talk a little bit about that if we have some time. Uh, there's some NBA summer league notes that that we'll get to. So as always, despite it being the middle of summer, there's a lot to talk about. The United States played in the Gold Cup last night with a disappointing draw. It was a meaningless game for the United States, but. Man, you, you wish they just looked a little bit better, a little bit sharper as they head into the knockout stage next. Uh, so we'll see where they go from there. Trevor, how are you doing on this very hot and humid and sticky Tuesday where you're if you're outside, you're going to sweat and it will not take long? I sweat just getting up out of my chair, though. So it, it, it's inevitable that I'm going to be doing that. Other than that, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I'm glad you're doing well. Did you enjoy your Monday Night Raw last night? Uh, I did. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Uh, they they brought up some NXT talent in the women's division and introduced them to the main roster. Uh, there was a couple of decent matches. It wasn't. It was, overall, I'd give it a. Uh, I'd say B minus. Not bad for a RAW. So give me an idea. Take me to Trevor's chill zone for his Monday night TV did, watching. Do you really want did to you, do that? Because once you get into my world, dude, there's sometimes you never get out. Did you? Did you? Watch some of the home run derby. Did you watch any of the USA game? Did you watch Carl Anthony Towns and Trey Lyles battle back and forth? What was your TV rotating schedule like last evening? Uh, I actually tried to uh, look for the, the soccer match. Uh, it was around 8.30, I guess, and I found uh, I went to Fox Sports 1, and it wasn't uh, USA. It was two other, like Hungoria and somebody else, I think, playing. Haiti, Haiti and Honduras. Honduras, and- yeah. And that's because they were playing before the United States in Kansas City in that game. So the United States didn't kick off till about 9.45. It was a late night for me, and take into consideration me not sleeping at all because of the storms. Uh, I'm running on fumes today, Trevor. Can you, can you not sleep through a storm, first of all? I, I, used to, I tweeted this when I woke up in the middle of the morning. Uh, I used to love storms. If it was storming, I'd crank open the window, listen to thunder, and, and see the lightning until I fell asleep, and it would... It was my favorite way to go to bed is at a thunderstorm. But ever since I've bought this house, I've hated it. Just knowing that there are ginormous trees <laughs> all around my house, and I just and and the car thing did not help my uh, me being a little worrywart. 
as any now i'm just worried that every storm of lightning is going to hit a tree and it's going to fall on my house so i used to love it now i just hate them uh i can sleep through it i of course i didn't think it really started raining until middle of the night so i'm sure you got to sleep okay now it was it just began i think around the same time i was going to bed which was circa 334 but back to your original question uh yeah i did watch a little bit of home run derby i uh flipped back and Kept an eye on uh, my my Toronto Blue Jays slugger Josh Donaldson attempting to pull off the upset of Todd Frazier. Obviously, he didn't, uh, but I was still very impressed with his home run derby uh, contribution. But most of the time, I just flip between that and wrestling. Wrestling for three well, hours can be – it's easy to flip back and forth to other stuff because three hours is an hour and a half too long for a wrestling program each week. And they usually – most of the time, they're spending like full segments spilling it with – Fluffer uh, crap of like uh, recapping what happened just an hour ago, or talking about and recapping what happened last week. Stuff you'd already seen. So I, I just a lot of times it's easy to flip to another uh, event or something else going on for a few minutes at a time. Let me just say this: that home run derby was awesome. Really, I don't I don't like the new the new way they did it with the timer. I didn't. Li- it reminds me of how the NBA has tried to just add and add to. The, the dunk contest by letting them do as many dunks as they want in a certain amount of time. And I guess maybe it's it's gotten over with, with the public. The younger kids maybe think it's cooler, but I don't like it. I, I, Griffey made up when they were had Ken Griffey on there during the first uh, round of the, the, the Home Run Derby. I was listening to him. And one, one thing he said I thought was he mentioned, you know, when he was in it, you, you had 10 swings. I liked it better when it was you had that kind of pressure. You had, you had 10 swings. If you don't have, you can just, you might only hit three home runs. But you're not getting four minutes to hit, you know, 15, 20 home runs or whatever, you know, it was last night. I think the max was, I think, 13 or 14. I mean, by the, the second round, they had already surpassed the most home runs by, like, 15 in, in a well, home that, run derby in uh, compared to any other home run derby in history of home run derbies, which goes back to, I believe, 86 maybe, 87. Well, that was the – that's the point. Don't you want home runs in a home run derby? Isn't that what the kind of the point of a home run derby is? Yeah, I get I get that, but I don't know. It just I I, I like the older way. I like getting, like I said, putting some pressure on you a little bit more. I guess there's not there's not pressure on you to hit you know a certain amount of home runs in four minutes, and but I I like it better where they say okay here you go you got you get four outs you get three outs maybe or ten swings as it used to be they've changed it and altered it over time each year, but I, I kind of I'm more leaning towards that style the early '90s mid early mid '90s maybe rules opposed to the more current rules i disagree a hundred and ten percent last night the new the new format was awesome and made it watchable for once uh there wasn't a ton of downtime it was just every time you turn on the tv there were dudes cranking home runs and uh i hope they they keep that system i don't even know really what they could do to tweak it maybe make the time a little bit shorter but even it was fun, and I like the tur- I like the bracket setting where you know who you're going against. It kind of brings a, a team aspect to the thing where you can have some rivalries, division well, rivalries. Did they do go it last year where it was AL on one side, NL on the other. I was kind of expecting to see that this year, and they, I guess they changed it to where they just kind of you know clustered everyone together and, and into a same into a bracket form as you described. But they did the bracket last year with AL on one side, NL on the other. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they they didn't do that this year. But they did, I guess, rank the the guys one through eight. I don't know if they did that ranking based on how many home runs they've hit this season or what the deal was there. But uh, it, it it was fun. It was actually watchable. The crowd in Cincinnati was into it. I'm sure yeah. that's mainly because Todd Frazier was 
was going at it, but uh, it seemed like almost every matchup between two guys came down to one home run, and there was a few that were, I guess, the equivalent of buzzer beaters, which you don't have buzzer beaters in baseball, uh, but you had a few that were buzzer beaters, so it was. I, I really enjoyed it. Frazier and everybody knocked off Josh Donaldson on technically a buzzer beater. The home run that he that hit the went over the wall just as it went to double zero last night uh, to advance him to the finals. The only thing I was kind of hoping to see was someone hit like a line drive into the uh, the Berman studio over there in uh, left a uh, right field. <laughs> I was kinda, I was kind of expecting hopefully this, when I noticed they were in right field over there in that corner on the bait on the line. I was like, I wish come on somebody somebody just drill a line drive. I mean. A, a ball on a rope, just right at him. I mean, I don't want really to get somebody get hit in the head, but just just for the fun of just to hear Berman maybe drop a cuss bomb on live television, trying to get out of the way. That 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 well, would have been more entertaining to me. He got his money's worth last night having to call home run after home run. But he, there were countless times where he said a ball was gone and it ended up being short. A few <laughs> of them, well short, uh, which cracked me up every time, just because. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people don't really like him, including you, I suppose. Uh, I don't dislike him. Uh, it's just I've got I've grown up past the stick of, of you know his, you know back back back, similar to the Dick Vitale thing. You know I don't dislike him. I know a lot of people don't like both of them, and I think maybe because they just got gotten tired of hearing the same old same old for the last twenty years for both of them. I don't dislike either one of them, but I have gotten past the enjoyment of their little. Uh, Routines. Could you imagine doing a drinking game every time Berman said the word back last night? No, you, you would you would die, wouldn't you? You would you'd be hammered before uh, Anthony Rizzo was even done with his home runs, and he was yeah. the first guy up. I mean, and also the only other thing I was kind of expecting to see one of those kids getting injured in the outfield. I mean, did you just watch them just just tackle each other trying to catch a fly ball? I mean, a couple. Yeah, times where do they where do they get these kids from? I'm assuming they're they're either related to the players in some way, or maybe they they did like a contest. Maybe they're some of the some less fortunate kids in the Cincinnati area, which would be a cool thing to let them go out there and do that. And I don't know where they find them, but man, they just they go at it. I mean, they look like a like a group of like hound dogs going after a piece of meat you're throwing off the table on Thanksgiving. They were they were tripping over each other. They were running into one each other. I kept thinking eventually, a kids going to be going for the ball, and another little a little eager boy will be running. Adam and run into him, and then one of them's going to get hit in the head with the ball. <laughs> they were, you're right. They were all over the place. They look like piranhas about ready to be fed. I mean, they were tackling uh, each other, trying to catch the ball. Of course, as they're tackling each other, the ball lands to the ground safely. But and there's a lot of, uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of missed balls too. Um, but that would that would be a pretty cool experience to be on an MLL field, MLB field, and be able to um, to be able to catch balls have like you, that. Have you ever been on an MLB field? Uh, I let's let me think. Major League Baseball field. I've obviously been on Louisville Slugger a, a ton of times. Uh, no, I don't think I have been. I've been on the Reds field. Uh, next girlfriend of mine worked for their uh, the Reds, and I was able to go up and uh, go onto the field after a game one time, which was pretty cool. That's um, the closest I've been, other than going on. I guess would like you going on Slugger Field. Yeah, uh, that that would be that would be a pretty cool experience, um, but no, I can't I can't say that I have. Um, did you hear the news about Pluto today, Trevor? Uh, are you referring to the planet or the Disney character? The the planet. Why why is Pluto, by the way, a dog? I mean, if Goofy and Pluto are both dogs, why does Goofy drive a car and Pluto doesn't? I never understood that. And, and Pluto really isn't technically a a planet. 
Well, no Any, longer. Yes, I guess so. Thanks to uh, it's a it's a dwarf planet. <laughs> I think I think I think little planet is the uh, d- d- the the proper way to to, to call that. Oh, okay. Uh, did Did you see the pictures of it? it the first time it's ever been photographed. No, I missed that. Uh, did, was there? Any, did it give us the finger? Yeah, it was not happy about it being called a dwarf planet. I can imagine it, that. It looked like it's coming back for revenge, but uh, three billion mile journey, and uh, finally was able to get some pictures of it. Pretty wild that they're able to do that. Why? Why would you want to take a uh, picture of something you you've just missed? No longer even a planet. I liked Pluto too. I think that was kind of a wrong wrongdoing to take away their planethood. Yeah, growing up, that's what that's how you ended the uh, the solar system. <laughs> what was that thing called? What, what, what was it? The uh, where you take the first letter of each planet and uh, into a word. What was that called? What's a, a the term like a like an acronym? Yeah, well, I can't remember what it was. I don't remember the order of the planets, but I know they used to. So I remember seeing somewhere where you could people that's how people remember the order of the planets by the, 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 the word with the first letter of each planet in order. Do you really not know what an acronym was? I couldn't remember it. Okay. Uh it'd be fun for the show to make you list off the planets in the solar system. I don't even know if I could. I don't even know if I, there's Pluto, Earth, uh Saturn, uh Jupiter, Mars. Uh, oh, let's not always forget uh, every kid's favorite, Uranus. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Neptune. Yeah. Um, I'm not forgetting. You're I'm forgetting not... just one, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe two. Who am I forgetting? Did you say Mercury? No, I did not. No, I forgot about Mercury. You said Venus, correct? No, that's Venus and Mercury, I guess, is who I forgot. Now you did all right. Now, it's if you bad. had to, now let's see if you could put them in order closest to the sun <laughs> yeah. and furthest away. It would be we can save that for another show. But pretty I cool. Know, there, I know we're not the closest if that if that counts. Aren't we like one or two away? Uh, we are. We are the third one away. Third. All right. All right. We got the bronze. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you, that's a, a gold medal you want to win, uh, Trevor. But uh, but it is pretty cool in thinking that they can travel uh, that far and, and get pictures of of something or just to be able to travel that far and do anything. How long does that take, by the way? How long did it take them to get a camera out there to take a picture of uh, Pluto? You know, I haven't seen how long it takes, but I'm sure it, it would, I would imagine it'd take years. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a quick Google search launched in 2006. So nine years to get uh, to Pluto. That's not bad. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty, it takes a, a long time. Uh, nine years. Just imagine if you're, Let's say we were doing a radio show right now, and we said, all right, we're going to do something, and we're not going to get the results for nine years. Uh, in today's society of impatience, I don't think that would fly. No, I don't think so either. It's insane that they're able to do that. So that's kind of some topical that's news. That's the time frame I have on getting skinny, though, is nine years. Uh, starting when? Uh, eight years ago. So how's it coming along? About as good as Pluto is at getting back to being a planet. Rob Blackhawk says that, uh, my very uh, educated mother just served us nine pizzas is a way to remember the planets in order. Wait That's a, a good idea. My, it, uh, he lost me because now I'm thinking about his pizza. What? <laughs> <laughs> my educated mother. My very. My very. Oh, because of Venus. Okay. All right. My Mercury, Venus, Earth, educated 
Mother Mars, just Jupiter served Saturn, us Uranus, <laughs> uh, some. What was the one I'm forgetting now? Who was before Pluto? Nine. Nine? It begins with an N. Oh, Neptune. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> taking us back to second grade science class, Trevor. Yeah, I didn't, pay, I didn't pay attention to that class either. Appreciate uh, the tweet. End of the show, you can do that at T. Walker Rivals. Uh, so we that's get sidetracked so much in the first segment every every day. Because uh, I, I like to bring up some some topical news. We do this from time to time, or TV shows, or this and that. You know, I like to... And I like to uh, learn. I, I don't like to throw everything out in terms of a, a sports... In terms of sports stuff, and maybe maybe that's the exact wrong thing you want to do to start off a radio show, but I kind of like to ease into the to the serious discussion. <laughs> Nothing wrong with taking it slow. There's no reason to rush. We're in no hurry. Yeah, yeah. But we do have plenty to get to today. Uh, we are going to talk a lot of Kentucky football that I meant to talk about yesterday, but but um, we got on a big college basketball debate. Uh, so we'll say we'll we'll do football today. We'll obviously do a lot of football tomorrow after we hear Mark Stoops and. Uh, the players speak at media day, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk with Rob Doster um, here in a little bit. So, I guess he comes on around four thirty, right, Trevor? Yeah, I told him. I told him about. But I told him about four twenty, four twenty-five around there. We can bring him okay. On. So, so we'll do the commercial now. Uh, we'll come back. We'll get Rob Doster on. There's some you college. Rob White. It's not a. He's like he like he's doing anything big right now. He's probably sitting well, on FIFA anyway. We'll get. We'll we'll talk some college basketball happenings. And then we will, then we'll talk some football you for the Rob remainder Doster of the show. Can name more, no more planets than me. We'll see. We'll we'll ask him. All right. All right. We'll be right back here on fourteen fifty. The sports buzz. Stick around. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker, presented by Allen Electric. Oh, here it is, Bratislava. Capital of Slovakia. Oh, here's a fun fact. You made out with your sister, man! Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up! We're back. We're buzz on a hot and steamy Tuesday, and we're joined with NBC Sports' Rob Doster. Rob, how are things going? They're going well, man. They're going well. I hear uh, Trevor can't name all of the planets. No, he ha- he had a tough time. He did better than I thought he would. Uh, he wanted to see if you could name all of them. Yeah, dude, it's really easy. Like, how do you not know all the planets? <laughs> all right, you want you want me to you want me to do it? You want me to do it right now? All right, you ready? Mercury, you ready? You ready, Trevor? Mercury, Venus, Earth, 
Mars, Neptune, Saturn, Jupiter, and uh, what's the last one? <laughs> uh, something you can kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You saw that one coming, huh? And uh, yeah, Rob, you didn't include Pluto, which I guess technically isn't a planet, but did you see the pictures well, today? It's not a planet. Yeah, it's on pictures, but it's not a planet. That looked pretty big. I, I, you know, I don't know. I, it's called a dwarf planet, but I don't know what makes something a planet or what doesn't make it a planet. But I mean, we consider Rhode Island still a state because and it's small. We don't just dump it. I mean, come on, give Pluto a chance. Trevor, Rhode Island isn't. Uh, it is. It is a state, but uh, there there are small states. I think you know that. That's Trevor, it. Trevor, you can attest to this, man. There's nothing wrong with getting dumped because you're small. Yeah, and it's not about <laughs> size. I mean, Rhode Island might be tiny, but it, it does powerful things. <laughs> we're, 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 we're off subject. While we're off subject, we, we have a tweet in uh, to you, Rob, wanting to know what your favorite pizza place in Lexington is. Wherever uh, Fake Gimmel brought me that one time. I can't remember the name of it. Where, what, <laughs> was it a good experience? Was it a bad experience? Well, look, any pizza outside of New Haven, Connecticut is not good pizza, so it probably wasn't a very good experience. We had good barbecue down there, though. Wow. Yeah, when I think, I... Of, when I think of New Haven, I think pizza. <laughs> you should. When I think New Haven, I think of not much. I think of preppy. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, well, uh... <laughs> let's just say the only it's not very preppy in, uh, in New Haven. They have great pizza, though. Well, good, good. Uh, now, now we've got some of this other nonsense to the side. Uh, let's let's talk some sports. And, and there, obviously, there was a big deal made about uh, Austin Nichols transferring from Memphis. Memphis trying to block the transfer and then releasing a list of schools, schools where they said you cannot go here. What'd you make of of Memphis doing that, going out of their way to to kind of block things and make things difficult for him? Uh, so more media members than normal support the school in this situation. Are you one of them? No, I, I, look, I get it. It's frustrating. Uh, you never want to lose a kid in June or July, um, especially when he's your best player. It, it puts Memphis, Memphis in a really bad spot. But you know, I just. I'm steadfastly against and unopposedly uh, against the idea of being able to block where an amateur student athlete is going to transfer to go to school. I just think that it's absolutely morally wrong, um, and there's absolutely there's no excuse for it. I don't care what the reason is. I don't care if they think there's tampering. I don't care about John Paul Tudor Jones or whatever his name is. I don't care about any of that. If you should not be blocking a transfer for an amateur student-athlete, point-blank, period. It's just wrong. And so um, I don't care about the timing of it. I don't care what any other media members are saying. If they're saying that, then they're idiots, and they don't really understand the system. And, and, and you know what? It's just, no. Josh, there's no way that Josh Pastner or the Memphis AB can justify this one without being wrong. And I like Josh, Josh Pastner. He's just, he's, he's wrong here. This is wrong. I, I agree with you 100%. I was shocked to see so many people uh, say that Memphis wasn't wrong for doing this, as if you could tell a kid what he can or, or cannot do. It, it was mind-numbing to me. Have you heard anything about uh, Austin Nichols and, and schools that he's mostly interested in? Um, the one that he kind of – my understanding of it is the, the reason that some of these extra blocks 
were put in is because uh, Virginia is the place that he wants to end up going to. Um, but, I mean, that'd be a great fit for him, how good he is defensively in the system that, you know, Tony Bennett runs. He, Virginia was one of the final six on his list when he committed to Memphis back in 2012. Um, but, okay, so John Paul Jones Arena is yes. named after the father of Paul Tudor Jones, who is a billionaire, like with a B, billionaire, um, graduate of Virginia that lives in Memphis. And Paul Tudor Jones is related, or not related to, he's, uh, he's close with uh, Austin Nichols' old AAU coach. And, you know, you, you kind of connect a couple of dots there, and it's not difficult to see why Memphis might have some suspicions about, you know, the decision to for Austin Nichols to want to transfer and, and you know, wanting to block Virginia. And, and, and I mean, you did, you can see that. It's not, it's not difficult to understand. And so I, that my understanding of it is that uh, Virginia is one of the places that he was considering going to, which is why he's now hired this lawyer, Don Jackson, to, to try to fight for him and try to, uh, you know, try to get this, uh, the blocks on his release lifted. So this is what happens. Regardless of whether or not he goes to school where he's, uh, he's restricted, he's going to have to sit out the 2015-16 season, whether it's as a red shirt or as – I mean, if there's no block, he's going to be a red shirt. He's going to practice with the team. Coaches can call him. Coaches can recruit him and all this kind of stuff. If he doesn't get that, that, that restriction lifted, then he's not allowed to communicate – with the coach at that school for a full year. So he can go to Virginia and he can enroll at Virginia and he can be a student there, but he's not allowed to be on scholarship. He's got to pay his own way and walk on and he's got to work out on his own. He can't practice with the team. He can't work out with the team. He can't get the coaches to come out and train him and, and, and work out with them. None of that's allowed. He's not allowed in association with the team or the coaching staff. So, you know, he still could go to Virginia if he wanted to. It would just, Instead of having a redshirt season, he would basically have a season that's nothing more than just a regular student. And you know, that's a tough situation to put a college athlete in. So it's understandable why he's gone out of his way to go hire Don Jack. Yeah, thanks for thanks for clearing that up, that he would be able to go to UVA but not really be or do anything with the basketball team, which uh, you know, I, I'm sure people would be looking into that to see if they broke any of those rules, but that would be impossible to not let there be any any communication between the two. Uh, and, and I had said that, and you know, I don't know what kind of fit it would be. I, I know that Austin Nichols is a good player, but just knowing how the 2016 recruiting class is going, especially with some of the big guys, uh, that, that Kentucky should reach out to him. And I'm told that they at least did some initial interest. Are you hearing anything about UK's chances with, with Nichols, or does it pretty much seem to be UVA or, or bust? I don't think that he wants um, to go to a school where there's the potential to be recruited over by a one-and-done kid. Um, I, I think one of the reasons that he's leaving Memphis is that he doesn't think that he's going to ever have any NBA potential there. And if you go to, let's say, you know, Duke was one of the schools that he really, really heavily considered uh, choosing over Memphis and ended up not going to. So let's say he ends up going to Duke. He's got to sit out a year. So he comes in, and his junior year, he's going to have to play behind Harry Giles and, and maybe you know Chase Jeter and anyone else they get in that class. And, and, and 
You know, in 2017, is there going to be another one and done uh, lottery pick coming in for for uh, Kentucky? Who are they going to get in the class of 2016? What big men are they going to get? Is he going to play behind, you know, Wendell Carter when he's a senior? Is he going to play behind, uh, I don't know, whoever they get, uh, whatever big men they get um, in the class of 2016? So I think that that um, plays a role in it as well. So I don't think that Kentucky or Duke or North Carolina, I don't necessarily believe that those schools are uh, going to be leaders for him that he's going to consider heavily. Well, I, yeah, and I can understand that from Duke because it seems that they may lead for, for Harry Giles, but I, I think there's some serious concerns about what UK, what big guys UK is going to be able to land because there's only a few good elite big guys that would be able to come in from day one and make a significant impact in 2016 for as good as the class is, it and there are it's deep and talented bigs, but if they have to come in as a freshman and make a serious impact, I don't know if there's as many. So I, I I spitball the idea that it could potentially be a good fit for UK, but I can understand that a guy he's only going to have a few years left to really make an impact and make his case for the NBA. So I'm sure he wants to go to a place where he's going to be somewhat guaranteed some some playing time. So so all that makes sense. And and we had a big debate on the show yesterday about. Uh, Kentucky and Duke, and, and Duke does seem to be the, the the hot school in recruiting. They land Jason Tatum, uh, and a lot of Kentucky fans are, are freaking out. Rob, I, I need you to talk UK fans off the ledge like I tried to do yesterday, that UK basketball recruiting will be just fine. I mean, they got the number one player in the country this year. They got the number one point guard in the country this year. They got um, they, they beat out Oregon for uh, Jamal Murray at the end of the year. So they got probably three of what top 15 recruits in the country this year. Yeah. That's, yep. that's disastrous, isn't it? So just, just three See. of the top 15 of the best player in high school basketball. Terrible. That's, they can't recruit well, anymore. How, how will they John survive? Calipari's lost his magic touch. I don't know how they're going to survive. Yeah. Uh, I said the same thing, but, but, you know, you, you've interviewed recruits. I've interviewed recruits, 2016 guys, 2017 guys. And there is no mistake about it that all of them are now mentioning, Duke, and where a few years ago all of them would mention Kentucky. Now, still, the vast majority are still very interested in UK. Uh, but it seems that Duke may have caught the eye of a lot of these guys. Which can you can you pinpoint why? Obviously, they won the national championship, and now Coach K is winning with one and duns. Are those the two main reasons why Duke is kind of the hottest new school? Um, no, I don't think it's just that. I think a lot of it is um, USA basketball. Like these guys are getting involved at like the U16 level when they're freshmen and sophomores and are developing relationships with not only each other, but with, you know, the, the, the team USA staff and, and a lot of these guys. And I think that that plays a major role for coach K. Obviously he is um, the guy that kind of runs everything. He's the head coach of the senior national team. And, you know, I think that that absolutely plays a role. Um, I think that, you know, the, the other part of it is, these kids see the freshman going into Duke and playing, you know, 33, 34 minutes a game. Well, you know, and they got to go to Kentucky. They're, they're, I understand why Coach Cal had to do what he did, but, you know, Devin Booker played, what, 22 minutes a game last year? Carl Towns played, like, 25 minutes a game last year. And I think that that certainly plays a role. Um, you know, you don't – if you have a choice, I understand – why kids would accept playing a role 
when they're put in a situation like that. But you have have a choice between where you're going to be forced to, you know, accept the role and, and have to play certain minutes and, and, and only get a certain amount of playing time. Or you can go to a school that is just as good, just as popular, on TV just as much, just as likely to get you to a Final Four to win a national title to get you picked in the, the, the lottery in the top ten. And you can go there and end up playing like 33 minutes a game, 35 minutes a game. I think that certainly plays a role, and that's a, something that has to be taken into consideration as well. We're speaking with Rob Doster, NBC Sports. Let's say, and I know you're on Baby Watch, but I'm not sure if it's a, a boy or a girl, but let's say you're having a boy, and in 18 years he has to decide to, to play for a coach, and let's say that there's some time uh, time travel where all the coaches are still you so i'm being told that you're having a boy from trevor which is exciting and, and this is great news rob uh, but where would where would you want him to play if all the coaches were at the same age and somehow all the programs were exactly the same now in 18 years so if my my wife was giving birth to an 18 year old top 10 recruit is that what you're saying yes yeah five star <laughs> um i mean i don't know it, it would it would come down to you know what position he plays who is in that position um, at, at certain schools. Uh, but if, I, if you were just asking me point blank which coach I would want him to play for, I think that I would want him to play for Coach K. I think that Coach K, at the end of the day, is a better basketball coach than John Calipari. Um, I, I don't think that that's um, a, a point that really would be hotly debated by many people other than Kentucky fans. Um and I think that, you know, John Calipari is going to get him to the NBA. I think it's fair to argue that Coach K is better at getting guys prepared for the NBA. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see if that's true. We'll see if, you know, Jabari Parker or Julia Lokapur end up panning out. Um, but, you know, I, I think that if I had to pick between those two, I would, I would probably pick Coach K. And and I, I think I think even most UK fans would agree with you in terms of X's and O's. Uh, you you're, you're probably spot on with Coach K being a better uh, in-game coach than Calipari and maybe a better scout, preparer and all and all that stuff. I don't think you'd get too much of an argument. Uh, you, you you wouldn't get any at all from me in that debate. And they're both great coaches and uh, Hall of Fame guys. But I don't know if I necessarily agree that he's, he better prepares guys for the NBA because. Over the past five years, you can look at, or six years, or even seven or eight, you can look at great Calipari players in the NBA versus great Duke players in the NBA, and the, the Calipari guys are better. Yeah, because Calipari is the one that made Anthony Davis a pro in the seven months that he was on campus. Like, no, I, I get your point. No, you I see what you're saying. But Calipari didn't make any of those pros. He recruited did, those pros. Did Anthony Coach Davis would be pros? this good. Anthony Davis could have spent a year at um, at Alcorn State, and he would be just as good as he is right now. John Wall could have spent a year playing for Southeastern Alabama in the NAI conference, and he would be just as good as he is right now. Coach Cal, you know, I don't. He recruited those guys. He didn't make those guys. He recruited them. And you know, I don't. I don't know if if you know it's really any different of an argument with Tyus Jones or Julia Lope for any of these guys. But I just I think that when it comes to how good of an X's and O's coach he is, how, how good, you know, how he deals with Team USA guys and, and, and NBA guys right now. You know, I just, I think that I, I would probably send my kid to play 
for Coach K. I, I mean, and that's nothing against John Calipari. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that you can really say that Coach Cal did anything other than recruit the guys that he has the one and done that he has brought in in recent years. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I don't know if that you know I agree with you probably ninety ninety percent of the time, Rob. I don't know if I agree that that you can. It's a double standard. Uh, you can say the same thing about Kay, like you mentioned that a lot of the, his guys probably could go anywhere and, and, and be fine with the NBA, but whether or not they're prepared. And I, I kind of, I'm of the notion whether if you're a good basketball player, you're going to be good in the NBA. Uh, if you're not a good basketball player, you won't be good in the NBA. And you yeah. might be able to. Yeah, no matter who you are, you, you recruit pros. You don't develop yeah. pros, you recruit them. Yes, I, I agree with that. But I do think, so if your kid in this hypothetical was a really great player, he like you said, he could go anywhere and he would get drafted in the NBA. And if he's good enough and he's a hard enough worker, you'll have a great NBA career. But if your kid maybe is a, a little bit overrated, sometimes you have to trick NBA teams. And, and I think John Calipari has done a great job at that. And that's not a, a backhanded compliment, but you do get some unbelievable exposure at Kentucky, not that you don't at Duke. Uh, but looking at some of the guys that John Calipari has got drafted, uh, those guys probably should have never even been in the conversation of getting picked. Like who? Like um, like a Josh Harrelson, like, uh, Daniel Orden, uh, you know DeAndre Liggins. The 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 list kind of goes. Uh, Darius Miller. Yeah, I guess. But you know, uh, I mean, I guess that's a fair point. But there's everyone gets. Kicked in the second round, and and I, I think a lot of like Darius Miller was a six foot seven wing that that played defense and hit three. You know, DeAndre Liggins was a guy that was six foot six, a really really good defender, can make plays off the dribble. It's not necessarily surprising that some of those guys got picked. You know, Josh Harrelson was a guy that was six foot eleven and had a motor. You know, I I think it's fair to say Harrelson is actually a really good example because I think more than anybody. That is the perfect example for a guy that Calipari developed. And if that, I think that's the perfect example for you if you want to say Calipari is able to develop pros because Harrison was a nobody. He was a Gillespie recruit, right? He was. He was a Juco yeah. Gillespie recruit. Yeah, he was a guy that that really had no business getting into Kentucky, one of these guys that you know was in those same classes as dudes that transferred to, like, New Mexico State and, and Division II programs or whatever. And Calipari took him, convinced him to play hard, uh, basically showed him, hey, like, hey, look, you can't teach size. All you got to do is play with effort, and you're going to end up getting a contract somewhere and, and turn him into, you know, a really good defensive player and a really good college player for one year and into a second-round draft pick that, what do you spend, like two years in the NBA, three years, something like that? Yeah, he had a really good role with the Knicks, and then he got traded to Detroit, and it never really clicked there. So then he went and dominated in China, and now he's playing in summer league with the with the Suns. It's, he's not having an, an unbelievable summer league, though, unfortunately for him. Yeah, if you want to give you want to give me an example of a guy that California can develop as a pro, then it's Josh Harrelson. But I, I don't think that Josh Harrelson is necessarily an example that would make me say, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to." Uh, uh, I think John Calipari is a better coach than Coach K. You know what I mean? Well, and again, if you're talking about X's and O's, I, nobody's going to disagree with you there. And, and Coach, and Coach K, K turned Miles Plumlee into a first-round draft pick. 
You're you're right. You're right. I'm not saying that, that you know, these are I think would you say that these are the best two coaches in the game? Not not maybe just from not just from one specific standpoint, but if you're going to round all the coaches out, would you say these are the best two? Yeah, probably. You know, I think that you have to put um Bo Ryan with what he's done at Wisconsin, uh, never finishing below fourth place into the conversation. I think you have to uh, put Bill Self in the argument, 11 straight Big 12 titles speaks for itself. Um, but, you know, at the moment, I, yeah, you're right. They're probably the top two college coaches in, uh, in, in college basketball. I think Sean Miller is probably somewhere in the top five. Um, and Billy Donovan would have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Kay and Cal got to be the top two. Yeah, Patino would be knocking on the top five door with the Patino too. Yeah, Patino blank on him. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's interesting, and it's it's summer, and I, I think both of us cannot wait for college basketball to to happen. It's going to be another good year for Duke. It's going to be another good year for Kentucky, and I think both those programs are going to be just fine for the foreseeable future. Although Kentucky fans are uh, getting. Uh, they're a little upset that that Duke is winning out on some recruiting battles, but there are a lot of there are some crazy members in, in UK's Big Blue Nation. So uh, I would just say for those guys, just uh, calm down a little bit. Things are still doing uh, just fine in, in Lexington. But Rob, as always, thanks for much for joining me, and uh, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. I'll I'll do my best. I'll do my best. All right. Talk to you next week, Rob Doster, NBC Sports. Always great to have him on. I guess we will head to a commercial break. We'll be back. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz in just a few minutes. Oh, you gonna take me home tonight. Oh, down beside that red firelight. Oh, you gonna let it all hang out. Fat bottom girls, you make the rocking world go listening to the sports talker with tj walker presented by allen electric wow that's really loud yeah thanks took the restrictor plate off give the red dragon a little more juice but uh let's keep that on the down low it's not exactly street legal hey mike We're back here, 1450, the sports buzz. The sports soccer with TJ Walker is brought to you by Allen Electric, Kentucky Anna's first and only electrician dedicated to residential repairs. Give them a call, 636-HELP. For any electrical service, Allen Electric will never leave you in the dark. Trevor, what would you make of what Rob Doster had to say? He picked he pick Coach K over Cal uh, to send his kid to college. Uh, I get where he was coming from in terms of maybe wanting to progress the child uh, through the, the the experience and knowledge, ex, the knowledge of the X's and O's that Coach K has over Coach Cal, but I mean, you, both. I mean, like he said, you Cal doesn't make those kids; he just recruits pros, and you turn around and 
he, like he, he admitted and you said that you can basically say the same thing really about Duke. I mean, if you go back, I'm sure there's Coach Cal being or K being at uh, Duke longer than Cal's been at Kentucky. I'm sure that you can find a few more examples of players that were not as big recruits that he developed into pros because of the, the longer tenure he's had in coaching. But, I mean, yeah, I, I guess, I don't know if it was, I mean, if it was my kid, I'd send him to Duke only because I don't like Kentucky. But uh, if Cal wasn't at Kentucky, he would still say at Memphis. Well, if at Memphis, I'd still send him because I don't like Memphis either. But say he's at UMass still. Uh, I don't. That's a tough one. I mean, it'd be a coin flip for me as a parent. If my kid came up to me and asked me for the advice, Dad, I, you know, I can't decide. I'm down to these two coaches. Who should I do? I'd, I'd probably literally flip a coin. It, it really. It, if you had to, if I was a college recruit right now and I was a five-star and I, I kind of had my choice of where I wanted to go uh, you know say like a similar to a Jason Tatum similar to that that sort of skill level uh, where you know you're going to go to the NBA it's just what draft pick will you be where, where, where do you want to spend your next summer is basically what, it, basically what yeah saying. I mean where it, really that's ultimately what it comes down to but it has to be John Calipari and Coach K in that conversation for those two coaches at the top of their of their skill at the top of their game uh, at the top of their profession those and really I I guess Bill Self would likely be third but I think he'd probably even be a little bit ways down there because he's had he's he has had some busts he hasn't had the same tournament success as of late uh, and, and I think those things would be important not that you could go wrong not that you'd necessarily go wrong with Bill Self but it just seems like if you're if you're a betting man, your best bet is Calipari or Coach K. Now, who is the best bet between those two is the the bigger question. Uh, and I disagree with Rob. Where and you know, obviously, I'm I'm biased, but it, it would have to be Calipari. Uh, he's sending he sent more guys to the NBA. I could make a case that he's has sent a lot of a lot of guys that maybe shouldn't have gone to the NBA. And he's had three number one draft picks. Now, would those guys have been number one draft picks if they'd gone somewhere else? Probably, probably so. I mean, you never really know. You could make a case against John Wall, and you could make a case against Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, it would be very tough to make a case against Anthony Davis for how talented he was. Uh, but, you know, it, you go back to, to February, Trevor, and everybody was talking about how Jaleel Okafor is going to be the number one pick. So that changed. And that, that was Calipari and, and, and Coach K going to head-to-head in a, in a different sense. So... I do think the safest bet is probably Kentucky. Now, like Rob said, it does matter uh, who's returning, what position your player is. If he's, you know, if he's a guard or a big, well, really, Coach K and Calipari have been great with guards and bigs. Uh, if he's a wing like Jason Tatum, John Calipari hasn't had as many wings for whatever reason. Although the ones he has had have done pretty well, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, and uh, so it really does. Be- depend on the position it would have to depend on the rosters but i do think it's one two calipari coach k and then kind of a a relatively significant leap um, or drop off rather until you get to to number three i don't know if it's a big leap or drop off uh in that next tier i would definitely think uh, sean miller has been as hot as anybody he's produced uh you had aaron gordon last year you had this year at stanley johnson a uh, year before that he's, he's already helped Derek williams become a number two pick uh, Solomon Hill was a first-round pick under him. He's been, uh, he's had some decent success over the last since he's been in Arizona in terms of 
producing first-round picks as well. Uh, Thad Mata has got a number one pick under his belt as well as a number two pick last year and some other numerous first-round picks, a lot of guys that were one-and-dones uh, in him, like B.J. Mullins and Kustos, uh, Kustafis, or whatever his name uh, was. They were kind of early, just basically spending a, a couple months in Columbus before they had to jump to the NBA, and they were both first-round picks. Their careers have been less than stellar, but still first-round picks nonetheless. And, I mean, yeah, I agree with you with Cal. I mean, some maybe Davis doesn't go number one or Anthony Towns doesn't go number one, but – Regardless whether they're Kentucky or at you know Kent State, they're going to be probably top five picks. Now, I, I have argued in the past that I think he helped some guys get drafted higher. Second-round picks, I, I'm kind of with Rob. If you go in the second round, the, the, it's hard to brag about producing a guy that's a second-round pick. I mean, it's just because those guys well, are kind of crapshoot guys. Now, Daniel Orton, well, I wouldn't say he really made Daniel Orton a pick because he never even played Daniel Orton. Maybe if you want to say – he made him a first-round pick because but, he didn't let anybody see how bad he really was. And okay, yeah, but yeah, that, that's you, you can make that case. You okay, can make that I case mean. just playing on TV every night. Well, he wasn't playing, playing though. against pros, <laughs> but he was still on TV. And when he he did play, it's not like he sat on the bench for forty minutes a game. He did play. Uh, and there was just the hype around this really, really good Kentucky team, and so much was made about how good DeMarcus Cousins was and and even Patrick Patterson that, wow, well, maybe Daniel Orton's just really good, so if uh, he's not getting that much playing time, it's because he's behind these two other great bigs. Uh, I'm going to take a chance on him. That wouldn't happen somewhere else. If, if Daniel Orton, I think maybe one of his other options, uh, I, I don't remember specifically who he picked Kentucky over, but um, I know some of those Big 12 schools. But let's say he'd gone to an Oklahoma, and I don't even know if Oklahoma was on his list. Okay. But he would be the guy there, and he'd have to. Everything would work around Daniel Orton. I think we'd know how that would have worked out, Trevor. We, we, you, you don't know how. So I mean, he may have excelled and and played oh. well at Oklahoma. We don't know that. I mean, we're not saying just because he's he's obviously not a professional basketball player doesn't mean he couldn't have had a good college career. I mean, he is big enough to have a decent. I mean, maybe have had a decent impact in college, depending on. I don't know who the coach, Oklahoma's coach, would have been. Maybe Long Kruger. To, no, it wouldn't have been Long Kruger. It'd have been uh, Kelvin Sampson. But I, you know, I, it's not. You can't say that. I mean, it, I, I do give. You can't say that. No, you can't. You can. Good players are good, and bad players aren't. It, it's kind of that simple. <laughs> it's not as exactly black and white as you make it sound, but it's it is very close to it. And I know that some situations can be better for some players. Uh, some people can shine in certain systems and, and, and fail in other ones. But once you see their pro success, then you get to see the player as what it, for what he's worth, for how good he is, how talented he is. And Daniel Orton, uh, 6'10", 260, you, you knew he always had to fight with uh, his weight and kind of being on that fringe of, of – being overweight and, and and being obese and as soon as things the ball was in his court trevor uh he, he didn't take advantage of it and his talent wasn't good enough to overcome that um he was a little lazy he didn't have the motor that you'd want so good players are good bad players are bad and it turned out I, I, Daniel my, my was bad is if he had played at oklahoma and played he could have still been he could have still maybe snuck into the same area of the first round where he did when not that and had the same result I, that he didn't have i disagree I disagree, and I don't know if we can establish. I feel like we're we're doing uh, some algorithms or something. Yeah. If you can establish, if you can establish that Daniel Orton is not a good basketball player, what makes you think that he could go to a school where he would be forced to showcase his skills 
and he'd still get drafted very highly. Well, I'm not saying he – listen, I, I'm, I'm the first one in line to make fun of Daniel on many occasions, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy got kicked out of a professional league because he made fun of Manny Pacquiao. That's how bad. I mean, that just tells you either a how big Manny Pacquiao is, or b how much Danny Orton was kind of just really sucked, and they wanted the reason to get rid of him. Either way, I, you could you don't have to. You can be a, a complete flop in the pros and put up. You know, if he could gone to Oklahoma and played one year, I mentioned two guys that that, that came through Thad Mata's program and BJ Mullins and and Kostopas. Neither one were very impressive in their freshman years and lone years at Ohio State. Very unimpressive. Both of them averaged probably no more than 10, 11 points a game and. Were inconsistent to the entire time, but yet they were still first-round picks. Daniel Owens goes to Daniel Orton. Daniel Owens. Daniel Orton goes to a, a another school, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, whomever it may be, and has one a one-and-done year where he's averaging ten points a game. Does look uh, in you know up and down. Shows some the signs of the, the the problems that we obviously have discovered later on when he got to the NBA. It doesn't mean he's still not someone's not going to take a chance on a six ten six eleven. Big guy in the middle of the late first round, much like Orlando, unfortunately, and for their fans, did when they did draft him out of Kentucky. And you're right. Potential, people can be blinded by potential. So I'm not saying he would have gone undrafted. I'm not saying that he wouldn't have gotten a shot in the NBA. But if his NBA career was any indication of what he would have done being the showcase on a, at the college level on a college program, then there wouldn't have been much hype around him. He could have fallen to that Dakari Johnson-like category. He could have. I agree to that. And, again, still probably would have been drafted. I'm not saying he wouldn't. Um, but, uh, ultimately, I, I don't think – I think his stock – I think he helped himself playing at Kentucky and kind of being forgotten and his weaknesses hidden. I mean, his most memorable moment at Kentucky was what? When he walked off the bench because he got he, – he, when he got in a fight with one of the assistants. Isn't that probably his most memorable Kentucky moment? That or his dad that, going on Facebook and saying he's just not even going to classes anymore. You thinking of DeAndre? You thinking of DeAndre Liggins with the fight with the assistant? I thought Orton got in an argument with a coach and walked off, and like as the game was going on, you could see him like walking through the tunnel, like he just left the bench at one point during a game. Didn't that? Wasn't that not Daniel I, Orton? I somebody else to tweet into me that this happened with Daniel Orton. That happened with DeAndre Liggins in Las Vegas. They were playing West Virginia, uh, and he was not happy with Billy Gillespie and walked off the court. Um, I don't remember that happening with with Daniel Orton. Now I'm correct about his about the whole Facebook stuff with his dad, right? Though, yes, you you are right that uh, he, he had his dad was yeah uh, his dad was a character, and they were not um, shy about with the fact when the season was over that Daniel had dipped out of Lexington, and it, John Calipari hasn't doesn't say as much, but it seems that he hints that this is the only case of that happening in his six years at UK. So I don't, uh, I just Googled Daniel Orton walks off court and this just came up in a Yahoo question from 2010. Why did Daniel Orton walk off the court in the first half of the UK Tennessee game today? Oh, so I don't, I don't know. I, I, I vaguely remember it. Had, I thought it had something to do with, he had an argument with one of the coaches or something. He's like walked off in the middle of the game. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Uh, and, and it's so funny where we go on this show, Trevor, and we're, we're having a, uh, a, a relatively heated. Most of the headlines are him being kicked off the Philippine team, though. <laughs> we're having a, a we're we're having a very in depth debate on Daniel Lord, and that's that's just sometimes where the show goes. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break. We're coming back. We're talking football. I promise. So stick around here on fourteen fifty the Sports Buzz.
You're listening to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. I'm all about having fun. You know, get a couple of cocktails in me, start a fire in someone's kitchen, maybe go to SeaWorld, take my pants off. On 1450, the Sports Buzz. We're back here, 1450, the Sports Buzz, one final segment. Trevor, over the over the commercial break, I looked to see if I could find anything on Daniel Orton walking off the court, and I did find it several different places on several di- different message boards slash comment sections, but I never saw a reporter report it. It was all just message board users. Does that mean it doesn't exist? Well, it, it means it probably happened, but UK couldn't. It, it means he probably walked off the court, but... Uh, anybody, if you think of the 2010 season, you had John Wall walk off the court almost every game because he was cramping. <laughs> so UK could UK, UK could have spun it where it was something medical, uh, but I don't have anything official from a reporter saying he walked off in disgust. I, I vaguely, I, I mean, like I said, I, I do remember him doing it. I just don't remember why he did it. And when it comes to Daniel Orton, I mean, come on. I mean, the fact that it could be anything but disgust and because he's just being a punk is not really a shock, I would think. Yeah, it, it it wouldn't surprise me, and you obviously knew more or remembered more about it than I did, because I don't even remember him walking off the court or anybody making a big, uh, a big, big deal about it. I remember uh, talking clear- about it on a radio during one during a radio during the radio because I was on the radio at the time. I remember us talking about it and debating it, discussing it at the and time. Clay B one sixteen asked why DeAndre Liggins was in the doghouse during his first half of the season of Cal's first year was because he got in a fight with an, with an assistant. Um, I know DeAndre Liggins was in the doghouse, and, and what I took from it was he was just kind of being a jerk during practices. Uh, he was just kind of he was talking back to all the coaches, not really buying into what they were selling. And when his playing time obviously decreased, and, and he didn't see the floor as much as he was used to, uh, that didn't make things better for him until finally him and Cal had to sit down and basically said. You need to wipe the slate clean, have a better attitude, give better effort, or you're leaving this program. And then he he turned it around and ended up having a nice uh, back half of that season and then a, a really solid junior year in 2011. People forget DeAndre Liggins also left early for the NBA draft. But uh, enough basketball talk for one day. we got to talk football, and we're going to talk more of it tomorrow with it being UK's SEC Media Day, uh, which will which will be exciting. Uh, we'll, we'll hear a lot from Mark Stoops and – um, several several players that traveled with them. So looking at the depth chart, and there's still a lot of coach speak and writing. So coach writing, basically, where uh, they're not going to try to give anything away, but you can kind of read between the lines. It doesn't list Patrick Tolles as the starter. It lists him as the one or two with Drew Barker. I think we all know he's going to start. It doesn't list Stanley Boom Williams as the starter. It lists him, JoJo Kemp, and, and Horton as the three starters. We know all three are going to play, but I think it's very clear Stanley Williams is the best running back on the roster. Um, but a few of the – just looking at the roster, and, and hopefully you've been able to look over the depth chart too, uh, listening from home, maybe I'm wrong in thinking this. I'm a bit more excited, and I think Kentucky fans should be a bit more excited about how everything looks. Uh, you, you have a lot of guys returning. You have a lot of guys that are getting uh, a bit older. You've got more experience. 
and there's not as many major question marks as there has been in years past. And then this doesn't even take into account uh, the freshmen that will be arriving that that didn't come for the spring game or spring practices that didn't enroll early. So it's not even including those guys, which you, you have to imagine some of those guys will be making an impact and to some extent. But Trevor, there's not as many holes as I once thought there was. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say as much. I mean, hole, as holes and question marks you'd consider different, correct? A, yeah, well, they, yes. I mean, they kind of go hand in hand in some in some way, but holes aren't really question marks. You're not questioning if there's a hole there. There is a hole there. Question marks would say, is this going to pan out or is it not going to pan out? Yeah, and, and as holes. When you say there's not as many holes, then define how many holes does does Kentucky have in their depth chart at this point, this early going into the season? In your eyes, you say there's not really, as many, if, but if is there any at all? In, 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 I don't. I I don't know. I, I could be wrong, and I you know I've got a different opinion on some players than other people do, and I I don't know if I really want to say. Uh, you know, maybe call that out on the air just yet. I might wait and let it let it sizzle for a little bit. I'd say maybe some of the the only hole would be at cornerback. I don't I don't know. I'll I'll say this. I, you know, I don't know if Fred Tiller is the answer there. I don't know if you can you can trust on Fred Tiller to to be able to to guard SEC wide receivers to cover SEC wide receivers. Um, I I just don't know. He is a senior. And it's nice that you have somebody with experience, but I, I've always said this about bad teams when when fans of bad teams say, "Well, everybody else is a year older, and and, and they're they're we're going to be more experienced, we're going to be better." Yeah, but you're everybody's going to be a year older on a bad team. Is that necessarily a good thing? I agree. That, that, that kind of brings me to my point about the offensive line. I mean, last year I know it had struggles. You bring back, I guess, what four starters, primary starters from last year's offensive line. I mean, is that considered a question mark to you, or is it more than a question mark than a hole? Well, don't you think offensive line's a little different? I mean, Not I could so. be wrong. I could be wrong. If you have a junior that stunk uh, his junior season, he comes back for a senior year, I doubt that that's going to make that much of a difference. But if you have a freshman coming back for a sophomore year, that's that you know that's a completely different story, right? Yeah, and I guess in the case of, of most offensive line, these are guys that have started for multiple years, opposed to just one year coming back for a second year as a starter. Except for I guess I guess maybe I guess four of those five guys can go fall into that category. And you're gonna have there's some interesting pieces, uh, and a lot of guys are either freshmen or redshirt freshmen turning to sophomores or sophomores to juniors. You do have Jordan Swindle. Uh, who will be down at SEC Media Day, who who will be a senior on that offensive line, and he's going to be the only one. So it's still a relatively young offensive line, and it is exciting thinking how much they can improve. Uh, George Asafo Agi is going to be uh, – they, they, ha- they can't say enough good things about him, so now he will be in the mix. Um, I, I don't know. They don't list him as a starter yet, uh, but he is second string at left and right tackle. And and I think right tackle certainly that is that is a hole or a question mark. I guess you could say either one That's because more of a hole though, because you don't have a lot of experience coming back at the right tackle. Yeah, but you could also we're we're splitting hairs again exactly about this. It, it could it could be a question mark because you don't know exactly what impact he's gonna make, but he will be a freshman in the SEC. So that 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 could be a hole, although you've heard nothing but great things about him. So 
all in all, I wouldn't say that the offensive line, that's a major hole on this team, and UK offense can't be successful because we know the offensive line is going to stink. We don't know that. I'm not convinced that it's going to. Now, I don't think it's going to be a major strength of this team. I think in two or three years, you're going to, you're going to talk about UK having one of the better offensive lines in the SEC. Yes, I, yes, I said it. Yes, I'm serious. They will have a, a top four or three offensive line in the SEC in the coming years. Are seven of the teams dropping out of the SEC? It's going to be impressive what Mark Stoops is doing with this offensive line, some of the recruits they're bringing in, and the talent that they're developing. Uh, it's going to be much improved as, as time moves on. Would you consider the defensive line a hole or more more hole or question mark? It is um, the the I would feel that that's a question mark. Now is this, I, the question mark just and that sounds like a nice way of like like I'm not a secretary I'm I'm a, a, a associate assistant you know that's like saying somebody works at like Walgreens like I don't work retail I'm a customer service representative. <laughs> Yeah, that's a fair point, and and you know maybe maybe we shouldn't have gotten the whole or question mark debate, but yeah, I'm, I work how, at Subway. I'm a sandwich artist. But <laughs> but how good will Melvin Lewis be this year? Will Matt Elam take that big step from a uh, big literally step uh, from his freshman to sophomore year? What should we expect from Reggie Mint? Uh, there are there those are questions, uh, those and they're legitimate questions. Now, where I have you know I don't know if I'm as high on. Farrington, Huguenin, Huguenin than than some of the other guys. Uh, he has he's played for a lot of uh, he's played a lot over his career at UK. Uh, he's kind of backed up Bud Dupree or Zadarius Smith. He's got and, one and career those, start, by the way, as a redshirt senior. And and exactly, and, and, and even in when when he came into the games and when he played, he wasn't overly impressive. He did his job for the most part, but he wasn't a standout. What's he gonna do? When he's playing down every down for the for again uh, for the majority of these games, and there there will be some freshmen. Um, I do like Jabari Johnson. I, I, I not crazy about him, but I like him, and I also like Denzel Ware, who will be a, a redshirt freshman. So there will be. I I think it's promising, but it's fair if you want to question it. Isn't it safe to say that every position is a question mark for any football team until like week two or three? No, not not at that point. Then you know the question is answered. They suck. Not not nearly. I don't think Patrick Tolles is a question mark. I don't think Stanley Boom. I don't think UK's running backs will be a question mark. Uh, the wide receivers. The only question is who's going to be the guy that steps up. But it is such a deep or group. Is, or will there be a guy that steps up? That's another question. And that 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 is the question. If there will be a guy or uh, or who it will be. But I do think you have a talent. There's so much depth at the wide receiver position. It has to be somebody. And we've seen, and I guess another question, while we're asking so many questions, you might as well call this show the riddle hour, is who will step up, but will they stay healthy? And that's something that the wide receivers haven't been able to do for some time. C.J. Conrad, the freshman tight end, that is a big question mark. So there are plenty of question marks, Trevor. But I, 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 I like the questions. I feel confident about the answers for a lot of them. Um, I, I don't think there's as many questions at linebacker as you may think. I, I don't think it's going to be the strongest linebacking core in the in the SEC, but I think Jason Hatcher playing some of that hybrid role. He, we obviously know how good he is. Uh, excited for another year, Josh Forrest. And then Ryan Flanagan, uh, he, he, it, I, I think it's his time. I think he'll show uh, some good things, and he's got Khalid Henderson backing him up, so... 
I, I, I'm more optimistic than I was before kind of seeing it all on paper. It, you, it, it kind of brings you down to earth about how much depth there actually is on this team when in reality, Trevor, it's probably not that deep of a team, but where Kentucky's coming from and how it's been, you haven't seen a de- you haven't seen depth like this on a UK team uh, football team in years. I don't even know if any Rich Brook team was this deep. Yeah, the, could the, Rich Brooks enough, teams though. didn't really as much show depth as they did just a quality starting lineup. Uh, yeah, how much depth was really behind it. Uh, a few minutes left. I do have a couple of questions for you. Then, are you ready? Sure, Lo- I'm ready. Locked and loaded. Steve Spurrier, the whole head ball coach today, was the great uh, quote dropper of uh, SEC Media Days. My favorite one. Amongst many's, including why he hasn't retired because he hasn't been fired yet, uh, he did drop a little uh, backhanded comment on Tennessee and Arkansas to quote, "We were seven and six, same as Tennessee, same as Arkansas." I think they're sort of celebrating big seasons last year. Butch Jones, of course, was not happy with that. Your your thoughts on uh, the ball coach taking some shots as he always does at uh, media day at Arkansas and Tennessee? That's typical Spurrier, and I love it. Kentucky fans hate it when they say it about. UK and and in Kentucky's program, and he's uh, kind of he has kind of bullied UK throughout his career, whether it was at South Carolina or Florida. Well, did, but I love it. Did he say fun. one time when uh, they asked about beating Clemson, he goes, "Well, they lost to Kentucky. It wasn't that big a win." Yeah, <laughs> uh, he, he he did say that. Uh, side note: I want you to keep asking these questions, but uh, Marty Nostal tweeted in and said that Orton walked off the court during the SEC 2010 tournament. Cal pulled him early in the game. Yes, it did happen. I don't remember it. I really, I don't. And I appreciate you tweeting in uh, because I, I was on spring break. It was my freshman year of college spring break, so maybe that's why I don't remember it. Next question, Trevor. Next, next question. I got. I this is uh, kind of a personal thing. Nick uh, <laughs> came in to get ready for the show by doing about twenty push-ups in front of me, running around. Look, at true form, not lady push-ups, real man push-ups. How do you prepare ten minutes before a show? Uh, by looking at my phone and saying, oh, no, it's two minutes before my show. I forgot to plan. Do, do, do you do the Dirk Diggler thing? Do you go look in the mirror and, like, yell at it, yell at yourself in the mirror and then, like, do karate chops and things like that? Does Nick really do push-ups? He did. I hand the God. He walked in here. He looked at me. He gave me a fist pump, and he got on the ground and started doing push-ups. Good for I, him. I, almost, I, I had to mute I myself because I, I was laughing. <laughs> I do not. Uh, I, I don't do that. I don't really do anything to get me pumped up. Sometimes – Nothing, really. I, I don't do anything to get me pumped up. I come and I sit down and uh, get ready to rock and roll. Sometimes if we have a, a guest on, I'll prep some questions, think about what I want to talk about. Um, obviously, I'll prep for the show, but I, I generally do that earlier in the day, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I'm kind of disappointed. I was hoping you said you did backflips or something like that. You, no, arm, you arm wrestled local uh, local biker groups. I wish, uh, I, wish, I wish I did. I wish I had a better story there. Can you do uh, more push-ups than Nick? I don't. I don't know how many he could do. I don't know. He's in, he, Nick's shaking his head no already. He's like, Nick, I, Nick's got Nick's got a good. This is gonna sound weird. He's got a good push up body. <laughs> he, he's he's small and he's pretty strong and built, so he doesn't have to go. I've got pretty long arms. Uh, my the most push ups I've ever done in one sitting was sixty three, and I could not probably do that now, but I do think I could get fifty. Nick, don't think you do sixty three. Can either you can you do a push up with me sitting on your back? No. Uh, we've got a remote coming up in a couple weeks. Maybe we should have you two do a little push up contest and see who can do more. I bet he could probably do more than me now. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not trying to. TJ's to, conceding. Well, I'm not on. conceding, but uh, <laughs> I tell him I did do sixty three, and that was not 
that long ago. Nick says he can't do 63, so you might be able to top him. I can't do. I I, I could not do 63 right now, and I'm not. We're not going to talk about this. Ask Nick who can eat. <laughs> Ask Nick who can eat more cheesy biscuits from Red Lobster. Oh. How many did you say you could eat? 15 or 20 in like an hour or something? 20. Yeah, 20, I 20 think. 20. Nick, Nick, he's willing to take a shot at it. That, that's a contest. That, you know what? If you ask me, would you rather me go head-to-head with you and eating cheesy biscuits or push-ups? Hell, I'm going eating cheesy biscuits, too. <laughs> oh, but uh, good stuff. I guess we're out of time. Um, we'll get we'll – get, more football we'll get some we'll get probably somebody on to talk uk football tomorrow uh, with sec media days so that's that uh, great the, show prep season we might get somebody on tomorrow we'll let you we know. will well but people are gonna be busy down there people are gonna be working down uh down in hoover and um, or it's not is it in hoover or is it in birmingham it's in birmingham or no, it's, in, it's in hoover it's in hoover what's the one yeah, question thought, you would ask stoops if you're there tomorrow one question well, it's I I I would need to f- think about it because he's gonna he's gonna coach speak every answer, but I would want him to honestly answer what would be a success this season. And yeah. I know exactly what he would say. He'd say we need to improve. We need to give it our all. We need to every play have a hundred and ten percent effort, and that would be a success. But I would want him to give some su- su- specifics. Easier said than done. As we're running out of time here, I would want him to say we've got to get to seven or eight wins. We've got to get to a bowl. Uh, we've got to have some of our young guys take the next step so we have a very promising 2016 season. I would want a specific answer, uh, so I'd need to think of how I could word it to try to get as specific as possible. But that's what I'd want to know. What are the realistic expectations heading in to uh, this fall in the 2015 year? I accept that. All right. Okay, good. You accept it. We're out of time. Stick around for Nick's show. They're going to talk about push-ups and all that good stuff. We'll see you tomorrow here on 1450. The Sp- and peep how the Come on. It's okay.